first of all, we're going to start uh, with uh, some of the, the good news from Albany, which is that uh, uh, as a part of the state uh, budget deal that was worked out, uh, much of the uh, Build Public Renewables Act uh, was incorporated uh, into the budget deal. Uh, this uh, the, um, advocates are hailing this as a, a historic breakthrough and something that will really put New York at the at the forefront of renewable energy and uh, also being hailed as the largest piece of Green New Deal legislation uh, that's been passed uh, to date in our uh, country. And uh, joining us to talk about that is uh, Lee Zishi from Sane Energy. She's also a spokesperson for New York uh, Public Power and involved with uh, New York City uh, DSA's uh, uh, Eco-Socialist uh, Caucus. Uh, Lee, thank you for joining us today on WBAI Radio. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, so how are you feeling after years of... Uh, 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 working toward this uh, moment. Yeah, we're all, you know, incredibly thrilled. This is just a huge victory and it's been a long slog. You know, this started about four years ago that we've been fighting for this bill. And then obviously, you know, this, this is a pretty crazy budget season um, and trying to fight through a bill through the New York state budget, which is just such an opaque um, process to, you know, convey to people has been very tough, but we've We've got it. We've got most of the Build Public Renewables Act, and after four years, the bill is passing. And it's yeah, it's it's so so very exciting. So uh, let's dive into it a little bit. What uh, are the parts of the legislation of this legislation that you're most excited about, and why is that? Yeah. So I mean, the very foundation of it is that you know this authority that already exists, the New York Power Authority, you know, was established under FDR was meant to serve the people of New York, has not been able to do that, has not been able to build renewable energy, solar, wind at a utility scale. And now NYPA can do that. And that's huge. Um, you know, we've fallen very far behind on our climate goals. And this will make sure that we can build renewables at a scale that will actually address the climate crisis and meet New York's um State goals. Um, also, we fought very hard for some strong labor provisions in this bill. Um, you know, the way the whole budget process works is originally the governor kind of comes forward with her executive proposal. So she put, um, you know, build public renewables on the negotiating table, but she introduced a, a very stripped down version of the bill that really weakened it. And one of the things that she took out was the very gold standard labor provisions of build public renewables. So, you know, we fought very hard. We've gotten a lot of union support over the last few years. Um, it's definitely one of the things that we've helped us, you know, get this across the finish line. Um, and so we fought very hard and got those labor um, standards in the bill, which is a huge victory for, you know, working people across the state, especially in an industry that, you know, isn't very unionized. Unfortunately, we see a lot of um, renewable developers, um, private developers currently not using union labor. So that that is a huge win. Um, we also made sure that NYPA just wasn't allowed to build, that they were actually mandated to build. Um, you know, unfortunately, NYPA does not have the best leadership. Um, so we want to make sure that we um, that they actually are required to build and meet our climate goals. And the other thing that we want um, that was very um, important to us is, you know, the New York Power Authority does 
currently own some very dirty fracked gas power plants in New York City and Long Island. They're called peaker plants. They only turn on during the hottest days of the year. They're mostly located in black and brown communities, low income communities. And so we made sure that those would be shut down by 2030 and replaced with renewable energy because under the governor's version, they would be able to stay open another five more years. That would have been five more years of pollution. Um, so those are some of the things that we want. And yeah, as you said, you know, this really is the biggest Green New Deal legislation that, that's been passed um, in the country. So I think they're still um, debating the, the big ugly, as they call it, the budget bill that this is in. Um, but it's it's set to pass tonight. And that's just really, really incredible victory for, for the grassroots movement in New York. Right. I mean, you talk about the labor provisions. I, I recall seeing a, a one study um, about uh, uh, this legislation that claimed that it over time could create as many as 51,000 uh, union jobs. Is that correct? Yeah. And a lot of that is like just looking at two, you know, shutting down these dirty power plants that exist, um, replacing them with renewable energy, you know, depending on how much solar, if this really works well, which we think it will, it could even create more jobs than that. Um, and it was very important to us that those are union jobs, you know, the environmental movement has a whole, you know, in the past has not always had the best record of, of working with labor. Um, so that's something that was very important to the public power coalition um, in building those relationships. And I think moving forward, you know, it will show that we can have a true just transition that takes care of these workers um, who have been fossil fuel workers um, and in the future as we're as we're building out this this renewable energy. Now, what about consumers? Uh- people might wonder, okay, we're going to go this new direction, but am I going to, you know, pay through the nose in in my uh, uh, monthly uh, utility bills or are people going to get a better deal from this approach? Yeah. So part of the bill is as um, the New York Power Authority builds out these projects, um, there's guarantees that some of that energy is discounted for low-income folks. Um, you know, we know right now our current fossil fuel system is incredibly expensive. Um, and, you know, most people cannot afford it right now. So making sure that that transition isn't hurting, you know, and not happening on the backs of New Yorkers was also very, very important to us. Um, and, you know, because these will now be state owned generation, um, you know, we own it. There's no profit incentive, right? You know, one of the things really driving up the cost of current energy is that it is owned by companies who, you know, are making money hand over fist, you know, polluting communities, polluting the planet. Um, And this has a chance to keep costs low because this is not the private market doing it. It's it's for the public. Right. And when you talk about these private companies, I mean, their ultimate uh, uh, responsibility is to deliver uh, uh, dividends to their shareholders. So, I mean, that's part of what people are, are paying for every month in their utility bills, and, and, and that wouldn't be the case under this uh, new system, correct? Yeah, no. Um, it takes that, that profit um, incentive out of it. And, you know, some of these um, current producers, these fossil fuel guys, you know, have tried to create a lot of panic and saying, oh, this is going to be so expensive. But I think that's really just deflection because, you know, that's what the current system is. It's a very expensive system, and we can have something that's different. And I think that's, you know, one of the other things that's very exciting about this bill. You know, there are other climate bills that are going to be included in the budget, but this is the only one that's taking on, you know, this 
really unfortunate narrative that's kind of dominated our policy, which is like, oh, the free market can solve the climate crisis. Um, the free market can do this. Well, this is the first bill that's actually taking back energy production as a public good and, you know, saying there is a different way that will benefit New Yorkers and, you know, people across the country more. Right. And something that uh, struck me in the in the past uh, year or so uh, with the costliness of the system, which currently runs on um, a lot on natural gas, is how much prices shot up after the uh, war uh, began in the Ukraine with the Russian invasion there. And uh, the uh, U.S. producers began uh, shipping uh, you know, large quantities of liquefied natural gas uh, to to Western Europe, which had been cut off from its Russian suppliers, and it created all this uh, market volatility, and, and uh, you know helped uh, drive prices up uh, here uh, in New York and in the United States. And and it, there was nothing uh, people could do about that because that's just uh, you know the way the market was working. Yeah, fossil fuels are extremely volatile, and you know I moved to New York ten years ago to start organizing against gas and. What everyone was saying is like, yeah, it's artificially cheap right now. They're going to build a bunch of export terminals, start shipping this gas overseas, and then jack up everybody's bill. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, they they got so many more people hooked up on gas and then jacked up the bill. And renewables doesn't have to be. Thanks, Mayor Bloomberg. Yeah, I mean, really, there 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 could be whole episodes on how Bloomberg greased the wheels, you know, for frack gas in in New York City and New York State. Um, but you know, if we own the renewable energy, that is a stable source of energy that the prices won't be jumping up all over the place. So people can consistently count on you know low low affordable energy that's being produced by the wind and sun, and that's you know what we need um, to, to run our city and our state. Right. So this all sounds great. Uh, uh, one, uh, I guess one concern I have is that uh, throughout uh, these negotiations and going uh, back to when she came into office, uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, the New York's governor, has really had uh, no interest uh, in uh, the Build uh, Public Renewables Act. And she has basically had to be uh, dragged into uh, uh, supporting this and uh, her uh, acting uh Head of NIPA, Justin Driscoll, has also uh, been very critical of the Build Public Renewables Act. So the people who are actually uh, going to be in charge of uh, implementing this and overseeing it uh, seem, uh, if not outright hostile, you know, deeply uh, uninterested in, in this approach. So how are you all going to deal with that? Yeah, you know, I mean, unfortunately, we can't just like rest our hats and be like, oh, great, we won this. We can we can go home now. You know, this is going to take more organizing to make sure it's implemented correctly. Um, there will be actually hearings on the plans that NIPA comes up with. So that will be one chance for the public to engage in this. And, you know, we're also going to be organizing to have the Senate actually reject Justin Driscoll's nomination um, to lead NIPA. You know, he's proven that he actually doesn't understand the potential that public power has to help New Yorkers across the state. Um, you know, he believes that we should be giving cheap energy to Amazon. Um, he's donated to a ton of Republicans. And so there's already been some senators, um, Senator Jabari Brisport, Julia Salazar, Kristen Gonzalez, who have, you know, publicly said that they would um, vote against his nomination. And we expect that to probably come up, you know, soon, either, you know, 
while the session is going on or towards the end of the session, um, because we think we really need to get somebody in there who understands what this is and is going to fight for for New Yorkers. Um, so we will be actively, you know, opposing his his nomination or his confirmation. He's already been nominated. Um, but right. So we're going to keep an ear out for that name, uh, Justin Driscoll. Uh, people concerned about him being a, a roadblock to this uh, legislation actually really effectively being implemented. But I'd also like to just kind of journey back in time a little bit because a victory like this is, the, uh, you know, a product of uh, years of uh, activism and organizing and, and these kind of victories don't come along every day. So we can probably learn a little bit from uh, what you all have uh, been doing to uh, get things to this point. So I guess if you can take us back to 2019, I understand uh, sort of the first impetus for this came out of uh, uh, opposition uh, uh, to uh, uh, a proposed power plant in Astoria and that uh, led people to want to go down a, a, a different path um, and launch this uh, initiative. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. And so there was a couple of things. There was, you know, the power plant um, proposed in Astoria. There was also a lot of DSA eco-socialist members who became parties in Con Edison's proposal to raise our rates, which three years later or four years later, they're, they're, they're doing again. Um, and, you know, kind of really looked at that system, our current energy system and, a dear comrade was like, well, there's this, you know, authority that exists, the New York Power Authority. They have like a ton of money. You know, why don't we start looking at at them and, and you know, reclaiming this public good? Um, and so it was, you know, members of eco-socialists that reached out to Assembly Member Carroll, you know, and helped write this bill. You know, this bill was written by, you know, socialists from New York City, which is another very exciting thing about it. And, you know, then a whole movement was built across the state of, you know, different DSA chapters, different environmental justice groups. Um, like you mentioned, like Sane Energy. And technically, I actually don't work for Sane Energy anymore, but I am still with, with Public Power NY. Um, and, you know, We Act, um, uh, Alliance for a Green Economy, Sixth Street Community Center, um, and really built this, this powerful movement. And, you know, at that stage, a lot of getting the word out was just knocking on doors. Um, you know, that same summer, we started seeing a lot of blackouts um, where Con Edison was, you know, intentionally browning out black and brown communities. Um, so when things like that happened, people would start knocking on doors to talk to people about this. You know, I was organizing against the North Brooklyn Pipeline. And we were going along the pipeline route and knocking on doors and saying, hey, did you know National Grid is, you know, putting a pipeline in your backyard? Also, we have this really exciting campaign for for public power. Um, and that's how, you know, this is slowly built up and to be a massive, massive movement. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we got support from Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Jamal Bowman. You know, it's really grown to this this massive movement. Um, you know, there was so many different rallies along the way trips to Albany to lobby legislators and actually whole campaigns, you know, elective campaigns um, like Sarah Hanna, who was a member of the Public Power New York Coalition. And when her assembly member did not full heartedly get on board and support this bill, she ran against him and won. Um, so there was, you know, thousands of conversations happening in the Mid-Hudson Valley um, as people were knocking doors for Sarah Hanna. 
Um, so it's been a thing that we've, you know, slowly been building up, you know, conversation by conversation to build a power where, you know, Governor Hochul felt like she had to do something on this. And I think the other thing that really helped us was the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, it made a lot of money available for these projects to happen. And so it was like, okay, you're facing this massive movement and then you're leaving, you know, a billion plus dollars of federal funding on the table. Like, okay, I think we're going to finally have to have to move on this. Um, and then we fought very hard throughout this entire budget process to make sure that a strong bill passed. Um, you know, we want to make sure it's implemented in the right way. You know, this is only going to be a model for the whole country, you know, if we implement these, these pieces like the labor, the mandate to build um in you know the coming years right and I, I i think it's also extraordinary i mean we know how dysfunctional our political system can be both uh, certainly in washington dc but often uh in albany as well with our state government uh that y'all uh had both enough faith in the system to uh engage with it but also uh enough uh savvy to figure out uh uh, how to uh, build an effective coalition that that couldn't uh, ultimately be uh, uh, defeated? Yeah, you know it's 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 very hard to have faith that you can, and you know I think we also recognized at some point during this you know four year fight it was like okay we're actually going to have to build more power for us to have faith that we can influence this system. So I think you know electing more people um, to Albany who deeply, deeply care about this issue was a really important part of building that power. Um, you know, just constantly doing rallies, constantly doing town halls and reaching out to people about this. Um, you know, it was a huge, huge part of that. And then once we've got those elected officials into Albany, you know, having socialists who are inside, who can let us know really what's going on, um, who can let us know what the real levers of power are in New York has been a huge part of that. You know, I don't know if we could have passed this bill um, if we didn't have the, the you know, the socialist senators and assembly members that we, that we have in the legislature right now. I, it's, it would have been very difficult, especially with, with this budget process. Cause like I mentioned, you know, so much of it is happening behind the scenes. You really don't like know what's happening unless somebody tells you what's, what's happening on the inside. Um, which makes it very hard to then, you know, mobilize a base um, when nobody has any idea what it is. And now you've, you know, told people for the fifth time, like, oh, this is our last day to influence the budget. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very slow. And I mean, one thing also I will say about this coalition that is very, very impressive um, and I think kind of unprecedented is the amount of people who have been involved that are just volunteers. Um, you know, there are some organizations in um, the Public Power Coalition, like St. Energy. But, you know, when I worked for St. Energy, some points we were like two people that were employees and we were also fighting a pipeline. So there was never like one group with a ton of staff that was just focused on public power. So much of this has been DSA volunteers, you know, like literally writing the bill, talking to media, you know, doing the actual work to move this forward while also having a completely different day job. Um, and, you know, so we have seen some really other big wins, but I don't know if we've ever seen a win like this that's mostly been led by volunteer grassroots organizing. 
Um, and so hopefully, too, that means that this can be a model for other places. You know, we didn't have tons of money behind us. We didn't have, you know, tons of staff, um, you know, a whole team of insider lobbyists fighting for this bill. It really was New Yorkers doing it. And I think that makes the victory, you know, much, much sweeter. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. But uh, Lee Zishi from Public Power New York, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing the story of your big victory with uh, Public Power here in New York. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, thanks to everybody who who made it happen.